This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Please note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct account of the saga of Irvar Odd, or Arrow Odd, the first surviving written account of the Kraken. We've combined several accounts of the Kraken over history to bring it to the center of this dramatic retelling and to truly emphasize the havoc and chaos such a great monster can wreak. When Arrow Odd first met his son, the boy immediately called him a coward and small. All of Odd's men were puny. He could not possibly imagine how this twerp could be his father. Odd had to admit that his son, Vignir, only 10 years old, was already a behemoth and would be a terrible force on the battlefield. Still, Odd had little patience for disrespect, less so for a child. He started to list his accomplishments. He was Odd, who went to Permia, who fooled the Laps, who defeated giants, whose name was feared from Norway to Greece, who had matched swords with Ogmund Tussock, who murdered that devil spawn's demon mother, who would pursue him to the end of the nine worlds if only he knew where that fiend was. At the mention of Ogmund, Odd's son seemed to shrink three sizes and the force with which he trembled shook the very sand beneath their feet. He hung his head and said almost inaudibly, I would not chase that beast. You know where he is then? Odd asked. You would be walking into the jaws of death. Vignir's voice carried no sense of threat, only concern. I would pursue him to hell itself. Vignir acquiesced and made his way to the boat. I will show you the way, father, he said. They sailed across the water with a determined purpose and the force of Odd's lucky winds propelling their sails. But then the winds died and the clouds cleared. There before them was a great island. 
Vignir shook his head. I do not like the look of it, father. But the men needed a rest, so Odd directed one of the ships to dock. As soon as they unboarded, the island sunk, taking the men with it. Vignir turned to assure his father that he should have listened, but there was no time. For as he did, a large, scaled limb erupted with a vengeance from the ocean. Welcome to Mythical Monsters, a ParCast original. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Every week we dive into history's most legendary monsters. In telling their stories, we hope to shed light on some truths hidden behind the creations of these beasts. Where they come from, what they symbolize, and how they expose humanity's greatest fears. You can find episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythical Monsters for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythical Monsters in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help us. Mythical Monsters is about the creatures who have haunted us since the dawn of storytelling. Beasts with fantastic characteristics, crafted in the ancient wonders of the imagination. Were these monsters something these storytellers experienced firsthand? or symbolic of the things that threatened their ancient way of life. On this show, we want not only to capture the beauty of these monsters, but also to uncover what they reveal about ourselves. Our demons are windows to our existential fears, and Mythical Monsters looks to expose these and examine how they vary through different times and cultures, and how, in many ways, they stay the same. Today, we're discussing the Kraken, also commonly referred to as the Kraken, one of the most feared and famed sea monsters in all of Western culture. A creature that for hundreds of years has seemed to defy definition as it waits in the deep for unsuspecting sailors. The Kraken has an interesting legacy in our history. It was a poorly defined legend of a great sea beast that haunted the waters of Scandinavia. And even though the tales about its shape differed, one thing was consistent through all accounts. The Kraken was incredibly large and terrifying. Even now, rumors of its existence confound scientists and conspiracy theorists alike and leave us with a fundamental and disturbing question. Were accounts of the Kraken the fantastical musings of inspired seafarers? Or are the stories based on real accounts of a yet undiscovered sea beast? To uncover these secrets of the deep, we must go back to the first mentions of the great monster of the sea. 
The ancient Nords spoke of many beasts that haunted the deep. There was Heatherback, the great whale, Jormungand, the vicious sea serpent, the eternal Torso, the giant tusked beast. But there was one that stood out from the rest, the largest monster in the nine worlds, who caused the fiercest warriors and the tallest giants to tremble at its very mention. The monster of which men rarely spoke, not because it was never seen, but because the few who had cast eyes upon it never returned. It had many names, Hafguffa, Krabin, Sea Mist, Sea Reek, but one name survived the test of history, one name that would haunt seafarers for hundreds of years, Kraken. It was a vague monster, armored as a crab, tentacles like an octopus, fierce as a shark. Every account of the thing changed its form. It was just as the ocean it inhabited, vast and unknown and terrifying. It was everything they feared, with sudden and violent anger like the coming of a storm. So was the Kraken a monster of parts, the piecing together of this discomfort with the deep, or was there really a vicious creature that terrorized ancient sailors? To answer these questions, we must visit the Vikings and explore the first story to include the legend of the Kraken. This was the epic saga of Urvar Odd, or Arrow Odd, an Icelandic tale written in the 13th century covering the 300-year life of Odd, a marauding Viking. Odd's adventures led him to many distant lands, but his encounter with the Kraken sparked a myth that spanned centuries. Arrow Odd listened to the speech of the red-bearded man with the distance of one grown long accustomed to being a hermit. The man himself spoke in an almost absent-minded manner. There is glory for you yet, Odd. All you must do is leave your life of forage to the scavengers of the forest floor. Odd relaxed his head against the tree. It's only one thing that will bring me forth from these woods. And I know you know, friend. You have the look of knowledge about you. The man's eyes shifted, but his posture stayed confident. They both knew that Odd spoke of Ogmund Tussock, Athioth's killer. The quest you look for is an ill-fated one. No quest is ill-fated that has yet to even begin. Odd's challenge was met with laughter, and it irked him. Redbeard responded in between his tittering breath. If only you knew, child, that this journey began long ago, with the birth of Ogmund himself, binding you both in shared misery. Odd's anger mounted at being called a child. After all, he was nearly 150 years old. He would have struck Redbeard down where he stood, if he had not only moments before sworn blood brotherhood with this stranger. If you are so privy to the threads of my destiny, then enlighten me, brother. 
How are the paths of mine and the demon so crossed? Your paths may be crossed, Arrow Odd, but his world is the world of beasts, and if you chase him, you will only be following the monsters left in his wake. And so Redbeard, who may or may not have been Odin himself, began the tale of Ogmund Tussock, Atheof's killer. Long ago, when you, Odd, sailed to Permia on your famous outing, you made a great enemy of King Horik, who held stewardship over that land. Such were his losses that he concocted a sinister plan of revenge. He called upon the fearsome ogress, Grimhild, and laid with her so that he might bear a son called Ogmund. Ugly and demonic and cruel was the child. Redbeard, who may or may not have been Odin the Allfather, told Odd all of the cruel details of Ogmund, who seems to have been bred specifically to rival Odd. For every great and heroic deed that Odd accomplished, Ogmund seemed to have an act equal to it in its cruelty. This was a theme in the ancient Nordic sagas, the importance of a rivalry. Odd's accomplishments could only be measured by how he fared against his opposite. But as Redbeard told his tale, he made one thing very clear. Ogmund's world was a world of beasts, and monsters were a threat to all Vikings. He could command creatures beyond comprehension, and if Odd so pursued his rival, he would surely meet his end. Even Grimhild, Ogmund's mother, had become a ferocious demon that wanted nothing more than to tear Odd and his men apart. She searched for Odd in the forests of England to the north. But like all heroic Vikings of the age, Odd would not shy away from such a challenge. While he could see the dangers in pursuing such monsters, it was in his nature to fight. As his wife told him long ago, to run was to doom himself, to make himself vulnerable to the pursuing arrows and sharp things that were the bane of lesser men. He was arrow odd. He flew in one direction, toward the enemy. He would never run. After a time, he looked at his new friend. We shall sail to England then. We'll witness the confrontation of Odd and Grimhild after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. 
They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Now back to the story. The saga of Arrow Odd tells of many battles between Vikings and giants, kings and slaves, but none are so compelling as the battles between Odd and the beasts of Ogmund. Monsters are a key part of epic Norse sagas. They represent the imminent dangers of the natural world, the undefined sound of the wind in the forest, the great shadows beneath the depths of the ocean. They are the secret evils of nature, manifest to stop the wants of humanity. It's the bound and unseen monster that haunted the Vikings, the threat of what could attack as they ventured and explored the far reaches of the world. Which is why, as Odd's men swam naked on the shores of England, they fell silent as the trees rumbled with a deep and violent shake. The Vikings looked toward the woods and watched in horror as a great beast burst forth, a physical manifestation of the terrors of the unknown. It had a ragged female head with blackened locks of hair jutting forth in all directions. When she screeched, she revealed a mouth full of serrated fangs, as long as the fingers of a large man. Her skin had a polished and scaly quality, so that it looked impenetrable to even the sharpest weapons. Her arms ended in vicious, three-fingered claws, each of which brandished a sword that she carried with a deft certainty. As she moved toward them, a great and muscular tail swung violently behind her, ready to crush any man who dared get in its way. This was Grimhild, the ogress, Ogman's mother, whose body and mind had been poisoned by her son so that she might kill Arrow Odd. The men came at her with their swords raised, but Grimhild merely took her arm back and cut five of them down. Then she swung again and took two more. One of the Vikings fled the battlefield to get to the ship and warn Odd. When he saw the bloodied face of the soldier, Odd was quick to gather his arrow bag, but the soldier warned him off. This was a demon such as he had never seen before. She had killed ten Vikings without so much as taking a breath. They should flee out to the ocean. Odd replied simply that there were monsters everywhere, especially out at sea. And besides, he was Arrow Odd. He would never run from a fight. So he grabbed his arrow bag and made his way toward the destruction on shore. 
He saw Grimhild at a distance, ready to strike the finishing blow on one of his best men. So Odd took one of Gusir's gifts, the three arrows he carried with him that never missed their mark. He shot it through the beast's heart. Enraged, Grimhild came for him. Odd wrestled with her and he was able to slice off her tail. She shrieked and fled toward the woods. Odd was barely out of breath. He knocked another of Gusir's gifts and let the arrow fly toward the heart of the fleeing beast. They had lost many men in the fight against Grimhild. Redbeard had been right. Ogman's world was one of monsters. But the only way to escape such a vile place was to meet those beasts head on. Odd was even more certain that now was the time to confront Ogmund. The only problem was, Odd had little idea where to find him. But Odd was a lucky man, and as luck would have it, a large half-giant appeared on the horizon, rowing vigorously to the shore. This was Vignir, Odd's son of ten years. Per Odd's instructions, Vignir's giant mother had sent him to be raised by his father. After trading the customary japes about cowardice and reputation, Vignir assured Odd that he knew where Ogmund was. They would go there together. So they set sail in Odd's 15 ships and headed toward the deep sea. It was a strange thing, even for the Vikings, to be out in the open ocean for so long. The senses change. The tundra of blue that stretches in all directions never seems to cease. It takes with it hope and any sense of solidified presence. Indeed, after only a few days, the sailors were in a state of non-existence, salty fumes sucking away at the moisture in their throats, the terrible sun marking their skin red and chafing their feet against their leather thongs. They had each other for company, but they said the same things over and over again. Spend too much time in proximity to a man and you realize that though the words they speak are different, the things they say are the same. A plea of desire to be recognized and admired, masked in stories of the past, of places conquered, of brothers lost. Then silence becomes an odd comfort, a place where time is moving, sometimes fast and sometimes slow. Silence, at least, is not always the same. It can have the shifting weight of anxiety, or the still and buzzing thrum of relaxation. Such variation is valued when only that terrible blue in every shade stretches into the harsh horizon. So it was when the first two of Odd's ships passed through the two peaks of land that seemed to rise randomly out of the ocean. Just beyond them was a small island. These were the first changes in the landscape in many days, and Odd knew that the men would need to rest, especially considering the great enemy they would face at the other end of their journey. 
However, when Odd suggested resting to his son Bignir, the boy reacted in his strange, fearful way. Nothing about that island looked safe, he said. See how it is devoid of life? How only mollusks live upon its surface? What good can come from such a briny desert? But the endless sea made the rest worth the risk. To stand on solid ground, even for a few minutes, that was something invaluable. So he ordered the first ship of their fleet to dock upon the island. When the rest of the boats caught up, he would direct them to do the same. The vessel pulled into shore while Odd scanned the horizon, picking out the specks of his remaining fleet approaching in the distance. He could hear the clamor of the men who had reached the land, shifting their gear so they might walk light and easy upon the island, feeling the rocky ground beneath their feet. They shouted back to the boat that the shores were teeming with multitudes of fish. They merely needed to lower their nets and would have enough food for the entire journey. Odd smiled as he heard the shouts of relief echo across the water. So pure and shrill and full of life were they that he almost did not notice that the exclamations of joy had suddenly turned into piercing shrieks. Odd whipped around and squinted his eyes to make out the commotion on the island. At first, all seemed normal. Then Odd saw the island was getting larger. Rather, it was moving toward him at an unnaturally fast pace as far as islands go. The men that now stood atop the island were shouting and running about in fright. It was getting closer and closer to Odd's own vessel. He yelled to his gaping men to man their oars, to prepare to row away at full speed. And then the island sank. The boat tied to its shores awkwardly maintained its buoyancy, resisting briefly against the taut rope that dragged it under, until the ship snapped in two, sending shards of its wooden deck flying across the water. The waves pulsated out from where the landmass had been moments before, and then quickly retreated inward, swirling together and creating a vicious current. It tugged at the pathway of Odd's boat, pulling it into the vortex too. The ship tilted inward as it was swept into the race of the whirlpool. Odd was quick to his command and ordered his sailors to their oars. The most experienced needed little convincing. They made their way to their stations and started pumping against the rapids in rhythm. Several of the men, who were more green and unstable, lost their footing on the leaning vessel and fell into the cavernous water. Odd could feel their boat speeding into the vortex. If they were not quick about it, the ship would turn at a sharp angle and sink. He took up an empty spot left by one of the men who had gone overboard, and upon seeing their leader manned and ready to row with them, the Vikings found new determination. He gave the command, pull, pull, pull. On the third call, the ship leaned upward and crashed back down in calmer waters. 
The men stood and slapped each other on the back in congratulations, so elated at their survival that they had little time to think about their recently fallen comrades. And then Odd looked up and saw that the rest of his ships were approaching, almost lazily floating through the two strange, sharp landmasses jutting from the water. He shouted to them and flailed his arms wildly. Turn back! The passage is not safe! But it was too late. The two rocky masses snapped together, splintering the ships in half and throwing every man on board into the depths of the ocean. Odd ordered his own boat to meet with the others. If he could not stop this thing from destroying his ships, at least he could help his soldiers to stave it off. They were only ten lengths away when massive, slick arms shot forth from the ocean. The slithering arms wrapped themselves around the wooden decks, crushing the wood as though they were built of brittle leaves. The explosive noises of the tearing ship were mixed in with the terrible sound of screaming men. Those so unfortunate as to not die immediately flailed pathetically in the ocean for a time before being ripped underneath the waters by the suffocating grip of the tentacles. Odd watched as his Vikings uselessly swung their swords, unable to get them to bite against the monster's steeled skin. Then Odd took out his arrow bag and drew forth one of Goosier's gifts, the arrows that never missed. Just as another arm rose to its peaks, ready to come crashing down upon a new ship, Odd fired. The arrow sang through the air and burst through the arm of the tentacle. From the depths of the water, the monster issued a terrible noise that trembled the surface of the sea. Then the tentacles all quickly retreated. For a moment, there was silence. Odd breathed heavily and took stock of his battered fleet. Of the 30 ships he had started with, only a fraction remained, but it was still enough to continue on their mission. The men aboard his own vessel looked to each other. Some dared to laugh, slapping each other upon their backs. Arrow Odd, yet again, had led them to a narrow escape. All except for Vignir, who trembled and muttered to himself, He's here. This is not safe. Ho, Vignir, the fight is done. Odd placed a comforting hand on his son's shoulder, though he had to reach up to do so. Vignir looked up at his father, his eyes large and watered. He's here, the monster, the Hafgufa. It's not of its own mind. Calm, Vignir. We sail toward the real fight. Vignir was almost crazed now, trembling so vigorously that the boat began to shake. He's here. I'm telling you, he's here. This is the terrible work of Ogmund Tussock. As he said the last words, the water tensed and seemed to rise before them. It rose into a great dome of such unnatural heights 
that it towered over their ship. The Vikings froze in terror as water poured down from the back of the beast, revealing for the first time the true nature of the foe. The creature's face was flattened and armored, extending up into a crown of horns that curled viciously from its mask. It opened its mouth wide, displaying rows and rows of serrated teeth. From its nostrils, extending in all directions, were the vile arms that had broken through the lines of his ships. They were covered in the hooks that had shredded the wood. Odd could see now that the hump of its back was the hardened land they thought was an island. Its green and black mass glinted like armor. Its eyes were a deep and endless black and regarded him with neither vitriol nor desire. In them was the endless abyss of the ocean. Here was the creature that owned this domain, the purveyor of the ocean's destruction, the origin of its random and unexpected violence. Odd took stock of the thing, holding down what he knew to be an unfamiliar emotion. He was Odd who went to Permia, who fooled the Laps, who defeated giants, whose name was known and feared from Norway to Greece, who had matched swords with Ogmund Tussock, Atheof's killer, who fought his mother, the terrible ogress Grimhild, capable of cutting down a dozen men with a single swing of her arm. He was Odd, who would be a wanderer and a king who would live for hundreds of years and clash with the grandchildren of the world's greatest fighters. He shouted to his men to ready the oars. Row, he commanded, let them flee this place as fast as they could. For he was arrow odd, and for the first time in his life, he would run from a fight. Coming up, We'll explore the origins of the Kraken. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, starting May 8th, wherever you get your podcasts. With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Now back to the story. In the fabled 13th century Icelandic saga of Urvar Odd, or Arrow Odd, the Kraken is revealed during a pivotal moment of the story. After uniting with his half-giant son, Vignir, Odd and his crew depart to face Ogmund Tussock, Odd's greatest rival. In the original story, the Vikings actually come across two creatures, the Hafgufa, or Seereek, and Lingback, or Heatherback. While many modern scholars believe both of these to have roots in the legend of the Kraken, 
the description of the half Gufa more closely resembles the infamous monster. Odd and his crew unknowingly sail through the jaws of the creature, which often simply leaves its mouth open, ready to consume whatever floats by. As Vignir explains to his ignorant father, Sea Reek is the biggest monster in the whole ocean. It swallows men, and ships, and whales too, and anything else around. Odd then orders one of his boats to land on the island, which turns out to be the back of the Heatherback. The island suddenly sinks, taking the ship with it. Vignir explains that Ogmund, with his sorcerous magic, sent these creatures to try and thwart Odd before they met in battle. This mention of the Kraken in Urvar Odd is relatively brief, but the survival of the myth over the next millennia gives it a much weightier importance. It forces us to consider the incredible possibility that the Kraken was and is a real creature, a monster of the depths that haunted the dreams of Viking sailors. The ancient Roman, Pliny the Elder, was the first to describe this beast in the first century BCE, when he told of a magnificently large polypus that attacked the tubs full of fish on the shores of Cartea on the coast of Spain. It was covered in brine and gave off a violent stench as it battered the shore with tendrilled arms. The tale of Arrow-Odd marked the creature's first appearance in the world of fiction, but it was said to be a frequent character in oral legends shared by the Vikings. In a 13th century educational text, The King's Mirror, an unknown author writes of a beast which is incredibly difficult to describe, on account of its size, which to most men will seem incredible. Pontapidan's mid-18th century account of the sea monster in his book The Natural History of Norway is most likely the basis for many of the myths that spread about the kraken. He sized the beast at a kilometer and a half in circumference, calling it incontestably the largest sea monster in the world. He explained the shape of the kraken to be more like a starfish, altering the crab-like descriptions from more ancient accounts. By this point in history, the legendary monster had solidified itself in the scientific canon. In 1735, Swedish naturalist Carl Linnaeus included the kraken in his book of taxonomy, Systema Naturae. He officially named the monster Microcosmus marinus and classified it in the cephalopod family. Then in 1802, French naturalist Pierre-Denis de Montfort drew a famed depiction of the kraken in his book. The drawing portrays the kraken as a massive octopus, wrapping its tentacles around a large vessel, thus opened the door for the 19th century to bring the sea monster into the spotlight. The poem The Kraken by Alfred Tennyson and the novel 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne solidified our cultural obsession with the mysterious creature. The Kraken was everything about the ocean that we fear, the massive unknown, what seemed like intentional aggression, an intelligent being so vicious and cunning that it was a threat to the most dangerous sea creatures, 
But most frightening of all was the fact that the Kraken could have been real. Many modern scientists believe that the Kraken was simply mistaken for the relatively rare sighting of a giant squid. Little is known about these creatures. In fact, one was not caught on camera in the wild until 2004. But it is postulated they can grow up to approximately 60 feet in length. Such a massive creature with its gangly tentacles surely would have struck fear in even the most courageous Vikings. It's an appealing theory, but the truth is that we will probably never know the reality of what the Kraken was to the Vikings. Its form was too inconsistent and strange, and seems like a pieced together monster of the many sea creatures we do know. The ocean conceals so many hidden wonders that our ancestors were sure to witness many things beyond their own imagination. And this is what the legend of the Kraken does reveal, that the depths of the open ocean were an alien world, a place where discoveries were many, but the shimmering water and endless glimmering blue could play tricks on the eyes. The great shadows that drifted by below the surface could be a gentle wail or a perilous threat. In the open ocean, the dangers are ill-defined and numerous. They strike without warning and test the very wills of humanity. It is this fear that the Kraken represents, the vulnerability of humanity in a foreign world where we will always discover something never witnessed before, where only the lucky ones will live to tell the tale. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with a new episode you can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythical Monsters, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythical Monsters on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythical Monsters in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Ron Shapiro, with production assistance by Paul Mahler and Carly Madden. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Drew Cole. I'm Vanessa Richardson.